Okay, our kids can be dismissed to the class, the super church. Take your Bibles with me for a few minutes this morning to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 8. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 8. I'm not going to... I know we've had a tremendous time in the presence of the Lord. How many of you enjoy in spring already? <laughs> Springtime? Well, amen. I, 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 I really believe that this year is a year where the Lord wants to help us evolve and grow and be fruitful. And how many of you believe every year should be better than the last year? You know, the Bible says in Proverbs, it says says that the path of the just shines more and more. And you cannot help but shine when you're in the very presence of Jesus. When you are following Jesus, how many of you know your life gets brighter? Now, that doesn't mean that problems don't come. It doesn't mean, in fact, actually... Uh, the more you have your eyes on Jesus, the more the devil will try to harass you. The devil doesn't like people rejoicing in what God does. The devil seeks to, in fact, I've told people this and you all know it, when you get saved, there's a target on your back. The devil targets you because he knows you are his greatest threat. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are armed and dangerous. <laughs> You are dangerous, and you're armed and dangerous. You're not just dangerous, but you're armed. And one of the things the devil wants to do is keep us quiet and silent and dumb. That's what the devil wants. But we're not dumb, and we're not quiet, and we just tell the devil, you ain't seen nothing yet. I believe that God wants the church, amen, to be alive. We're walking in resurrection power. This morning I want to share something with you on the importance. And it's a series I've been on. David just finished. Uh, Brother James is going to continue on it on Wednesday nights. We're speaking on the power of a renewed mind. A renewed mind. And God wants our minds to be renewed, doesn't He? And one of the things sometimes we end up doing is we forget who we are and what we know. I, I want to share just a really quick little illustration. Years ago, I used to be in racquetball tournaments. And uh, how many of you know what racquetball is? Those were in my days, my younger days, when I, I used to have some good, awesome kill shots, and uh, I could really play some... Uh, I, I was actually in tournaments back in my uh, early and mid-20s, and uh, actually won a few trophies. Uh, not trying to brag, just a fact. No, but I uh, just... <laughs> But uh, I used to play racquetball, but I'll never forget one of the tournaments that I actually entered into. My brother Ron, he's a year younger, he was watching the whole tournament, and I, yours truly, actually made it to the finals. I was going to go into the championship final in in my particular league, and uh, we're getting ready. It happened to be on a Saturday afternoon, and my brother Ron comes up and says, Ray, Ray, come over here, I want to tell you something. So I come over to him and he says, Ray, do you know who your opponent is in this last championship round? And I said, no, I, I don't know the guy. I've never seen him. And he was a big guy, about six foot four, real, real huge guy, real tall guy, very muscular. You were really in shape. And my brother says, have you seen him play yet? I said, no, I haven't seen him play. He says, he's pretty good. He's really good, Ray. I, I, I don't know. I don't know, he's, he's really good. And then he said this, by the way, he hasn't lost any games yet. I said, really? Yeah, he hasn't lost. Well, the championship 
round involved the best two out of three to 15. And so I'm getting in and I'm doing my practice warm-ups and, and my opponent gets into the same. And we're in, this, we're in the uh, uh, a club or in, in our little uh, court and we're practicing and the only thing I could think of was what my brother planted as a seed. And that little seed was this, he hasn't lost any game yet. And I'm sitting there and this guy, he's staring at me. You know what it is. It's just the stare down. And I'm, I'm starting to look at this guy and I, I'm starting to feel smaller and smaller. And we get into the game and this guy whips my tail. I mean, he beats me. like It was like 15 to 4. And, and I, I just couldn't believe why I couldn't get my act together. I mean, I didn't really think he was all that great, to tell you the truth. But, but the thing that stuck with me through the entire first game was what my brother planted as a seed. He hasn't lost a game yet. That's all I could think of is what my brother said and how awesome my opponent was. Well, after the first game, I, we all come out, they give us a five or ten minute break, and I'm sitting on the bench, and I'm kind of sulking in my self-pity, and, and I'm sitting there drinking my Gatorade, and then it finally dawned on me. I haven't lost a game yet either. It dawned on me that I was so focused on what my brother said that the reason why I was in the championship, because I, I didn't lose a game either. But I was so focused on what someone had planted in my head, I lost that first game. To the glory of God, I came back and I beat him in the second and third game and I took away the trophy. That's a true story. Now, it's amazing what can happen when you begin to get your information right. And it's amazing how we end up losing and falling behind because we're so focused on how strong our opponent is. And what the enemy... How many here have ever listened to the lie of the enemy? The enemy comes and tells you, you're not going to make it. You're a loser. Your dad said you were stupid. Your, fa- your parents said, your, your teacher said, you won't amount to anything. But see, those are nothing but an accumulation of lies to keep you polarized and to keep you below what God's intended best is. Now see, here's the thing that we need to come to understand. When Jesus died on the cross, Jesus died not just to forgive your sins. We're great. How many of you are grateful He's forgiven our sins? He's not only died to one, He died on the cross so that you would begin to take upon the same nature, the same attributes, and walk in the same anointing that He had. He never intended for us to just sit here and just kind of be a baby in a babysitting mode waiting for Jesus to come and rescue us out of this horrible bad world. Now, let me tell you, the second coming of Jesus is not a rescue mission. It's a wedding date. Jesus is coming back for a powerful, awesome bride that is prepared to meet her bridegroom. He's not coming back for a weak church. 
And I'm here to declare to you this morning that you are blessed, you are chosen, you are highly favored, you are strong, you are powerful, you are mighty in God to the pulling down and strongholds. You are not only washed and forgiven, but you are a giant killing, promise keeping, boat sinking, a blessing man and woman of God. You need to come to embrace God's Word. I want to take you in your scriptures this morning, just for a few minutes, Matthew chapter 8, to a passage about a man in the Bible who, by virtue of his condition, was excommunicated, asked to not even come around into the city or in the population, especially in the temple. There really was no hope for this guy. But somewhere along the line, he heard the gospel. How many of you believe the gospel is called the good news? Now, we need to be encouraged about the good news. And notice what it says in Matthew chapter 8, verse 20. It says, when he came down from a mountain, the great multitude, and behold, a leper. Everyone say, a leper. A leper was an individual who was basically had an infestation of bacteria. That's what leprosy was, was, was bacteria that basically got into the system and begin to attack the limbs of the body. It would eat them from the outside in. Ultimately, it was a slow, very, very painful, slow death. And he would die. But in the Bible, we find under the Old Covenant that leprosy was an illustration. God used leprosy to illustrate what sin was. The problem is, is the... The Old Testament patriarchs and many of the Pharisees in the New Testament begin to take that term and those who had it and they would begin to ostracize and they would label people and they would write them off. And by the way, they couldn't come and they couldn't offer sacrifice. They couldn't come around the populated areas. Even the very clothes of lepers were considered a defilement. If you would even sit in the seat where a leper sat, you could become defiled. And you were to stay away from other people for seven days and you had to go through these bells and smells and incense and nonsense and all these other rituals that they had to go through. But here we find that this man comes and he begins to rebel and he begins to break some rules. Everyone say rebel. Do you know that there's a place for rebellion in the kingdom of God? There's a place for rebellion. There's a place to protest. There's a place where we need to stand up against the powers of darkness and when we begin to say, enough is enough. And that's what this leper did. Because according to the Mosaic Law, according to Levitical practices in Leviticus, lepers were to stand and stay outside the camp. They were not to be part of the fellowship. In fact, if you were a leper back in Jesus' day, do you know that many of the living relatives would go ahead and have a funeral for you? even though you were still alive, because they figured that you were already dead. So they wrote you off. But here is one guy who begins to rebel against the status quo, and he somewhere hears the good news. And when he hears the good news, his mind is renewed. Everyone say renewed. His mind is renewed in such a way that he begins to break some rules. He begins to cross some lines. And he goes right into populated areas, right into the very place where people and the multitudes were. And he cries out. I want to tell you something. I want to be in a church that's doing a lot of crying out and calling out. Because this guy, even though he was a leper, 
full of leprosy, full of shame, full of condemnation. He called out because here's the point. The news outweighed the facts that were laid against this guy because he knew that the good news was the kind of news that was going to bring about a paradigm and a change in his life. How many of you want to see some things change in your life? You see, God has not called us to death. He's not called us, but He's called us to life and resurrection. This guy gets a hold of some kind of news about the Messiah, Jesus. And the thing about Jesus is Jesus was a touchy-feely kind of a guy. He was a guy that the Bible says, you, if you look at the Scripture, it says that when he looks and he says, Lord, if you're willing... If you're willing, I know, I know you can make me clean. See, the reason he heard that, he heard that somewhere. I know, I know, if, if you're willing, and Jesus said, I'm willing. Everyone, everyone say this, he's willing. You see, there's no sin you've committed, there's no problem, there's no offense you have in your life that he's not willing to give you sufficient grace to make you accepted in the Beloved, not only washed and forgiven, not only to bring you out of the slavery of condemnation, but to set you in a place where you're accepted, chosen, and, and, and anointed to be used for powerful things. This man, he heard the news that Jesus not only forgives and washes, but He's a fulfillment of an Old Testament covenant of all the seven covenants in the Old Testament. Jesus ratified and was the fulfillment of that covenant, not only to wash our sins, but to make us righteous to make us right in right standing with the Father to the place where we're no longer sons, we're no longer strangers of the commonwealth, but fellow citizens of a heavenly kingdom accepted as sons and daughters. Not only has He brought us into the kingdom, calls us sons and daughters, but He anoints us to be kings and priests. Wow! This guy hears this, this message. The good news so transforms his mind that he does not care about what other people think. How many of you believe the church needs to be delivered from what other people think about us? We need to be set free about what other people think and what, what other people know about us because, see, the grace of God, the blood of Jesus is so much greater. I, you know what I tell people this? Let me tell you what the church is. The church is called... A no shame zone. It's where you can come into His house with no fear of feeling shame or condemnation. Well, well, Pastor Ray, are, are you kind of making light on sin now? Are you, are you saying it's okay for us to uh, just kind of dabble in sin because God's mercy just forgives all sin? No. No, that's not the purpose of the grace of God. In fact, it goes the opposite way. You see, it's because of His grace and mercy that we wouldn't even want to go back to sin. See, God's grace was not some kind of a tolerance for sin, but it's God's grace and it's God's goodness that leads us to repentance and gives us a vision for what we are and what we're to become in such a degree that if you're an alcoholic, you wouldn't want to drink. If you're a drug addict, you wouldn't want to go back and sip out of the sewer pipe anymore because God prepares a table... Right in your midst. 
And he gives you something so much better to eat from than where you've come from. That's why his presence, his house is a no shame zone. I've told people. I remember one time years ago here at New Life Fellowship. We had three women that came at a New Life Fellowship. And they were, they come out of the lesbian population. They were lesbians. And they came into New Life and they said, Pastor, you know, we're, we're really not part of the group of this church. But we just kind of want to watch and we want to hear your message. And uh, are we welcome here? I said, you sure are. We're so glad you come to New Life. Never forget, we had a couple people at New Life kind of raise their eyebrows. They came down and said, Pastor Ray, do you know who's sitting in the back? And I said, yes, I do. Well, you know what they are? Yes, I do, and I'm glad they're here. Oh, well, yeah, but I think they are those kind of people. I said, go give them a hug. Because Jesus hugged the leper. Jesus hugged the sinner. In fact, have you read, have you ever had a good dose of Luke 15? It says in Luke 15, one day Jesus was eating with publicans and sinners. And it says the Pharisees came to the disciples. They didn't even have the guts to come to Jesus. They go to the disciples and says, why does your master... Eat with publican and sinners. Doesn't he know they're defiled, they're dirty, they're shameful? We shouldn't even be around those kind of people. They're going to hell. They're bad, bad people. Jesus loved to eat with sinners. He loved to communicate. He loved to befriend them. The Bible says they even accused Jesus of being a friend of a sinner and, and a wine-bibber and a... And, and, and even connected, because you see, what Jesus was interested in was changing people from the inside out, not the outside in. When you're under the law, all you're concerned about is what people think about you from the outside. But when you've been touched by grace, it's what He does on the inside and begins to transform your mind and your heart and your vision and sets you free, not only does He wash you, but He begins to prepare you for greatness. Everyone say greatness. So God's plan and desire is for you to look like Him. Remember when God gave the promise to Abraham back in Genesis 12? This guy was an idol worshiper. He was in, in the, the palace of Babylon. He was an idol worshiper. He, he worshiped idols. And one day God spoke to Abraham and he said, Abraham, I want you to get out of the land of your fathers and your kindred and your culture to a place that I will show you. Now just if God would have ended it there, that wouldn't have been such a great word. Just get out. I want you to leave your family, your kindred. You may say, well, is God trying to break families up? No, no, God's not trying to break families up. God loves families. God wants us to respect and regard our family. But, but see, there's sometimes where God has such a powerful promise for your life that even your traditions from your families might keep you from God's very best in your life. 
Even Jesus one day said that you, no man can be my disciple unless he, he understands that he must hate his father's mother's brother's sister and take up his cross and follow me. Jesus is not telling us to hate our brothers and mothers and fathers. What he is saying that in comparison to your love and devotion to me, I need to be first in your life. You see, sometimes even though we honor our parents and we should always honor our parents, our fathers and mothers, and we need to obey them. But there's times, there are times... Where God's call on your life might necessarily, it might exceed and it might begin to speak into your life. And your parents might have some some particular traditions and certain plans that they want you to fulfill as a son. Sometimes parents may not do this, but they want to live their dreams and their plans to their kids. And they want their kids to follow in their footsteps and take over the business, take over the farm. But God says, hold on, I got another plan for this boy. And, and God has a plan for your life, and it might not necessarily involve taking over the family business. And so God was saying to Abraham, Abraham, I want you to break free from some, some traditions that have been laid on you because I'm going to make of you a great nation. I'm going to make your name great. I'm going to begin to use you to bless all the families of the earth. Now, if you've ever read the story of Genesis 12 through 22, you will find a picture of some of the most dysfunctional families. When you study Abraham and Sarah and Isaac and Rebecca and Jacob and his two wives, I want to tell you there's enough material there to put Hollywood and, and make put some drama. I mean, you got conspiracy. You got conspiracy for murder, slander, backbiting. You got uh, manipulation by the wife to take you. You got you got a wife teaching her son Jacob to manipulate her husband so they can steal the birthright. You got enough material to put a put put uh, uh, some soap operas on a whole different level. Uh, but, but isn't it amazing? God said, Abraham, through your family and your sons and your grandchildren, I'm going to use them to bless all the families of the earth. These were not picture-perfect people. These were broken lives. These were people that most church pastors and leaders would not accept today. Do you know why they wouldn't accept them? Because it would look pretty in their sanctuary. I'm going to tell you something. I've asked God to send me everybody that the churches don't want. Because God learns how to take those people and transform them and make them champions. He knows how to take them and build their lives. Do you know why God took the Apostle Paul, who, by the way, in his day was a modern-day ISIS terrorist? Paul was a terrorist in his day. He terrorized. He had people killed. Now, if I would have been the Holy Spirit, I would have picked some nice little guy who's got his act together, a man of integrity, who was a well, upstanding individual with integrity. That's the kind of guy Ray probably would have chosen. But God chooses the most radical, dangerous character. And isn't it amazing? God uses Paul to give us what the definition of love is in 1 Corinthians 13. He gives the message of love to a terrorist, and he is the one, down through the centuries, has told us, preached to us, what the love of God is. You know what that's called? It's the power of a renewed mind. It's the power of a renewed life. 
It is the power of understanding the grace of God. Here is what this man, this man here says this. He says this to Jesus because he has been so, he has been so encouraged by the word of the Lord that he was able to rebel, cross lines and borders, and he was so confident that Jesus would have faith in him, forgive him, wash him, cleanse him, and accept him. And that's exactly what Jesus did. Jesus loved him, accepted him. In fact, the Bible says that he touched. In the Greek there, it literally means, in one translation, it means Jesus embraced that leper. Can you imagine embracing a leper? A guy who's just... And by the way, I don't know if any of you have ever seen leprosy. I've been to Indonesia. I've been to the islands of the Solomon Islands myself. And there are, there are lepers all over those areas down there. They will come up. They're beggars. And they will come and they'll show you their, their stunted limbs because they're, they're begging for money. But, but, but it's, it's a grotesque situation. And, uh, but, but here leprosy was very uh, prominent back in Jesus' day. But Jesus, He takes the time to stop his ministry, and he begins to pour life into this guy. I want you to know right now, Jesus takes the time to stop. And he looks at your life, and he's saying to you right now, it doesn't matter what you've come through, where you've gone through. It doesn't matter what kind of things that you're carrying in your life. There's nothing that you've walked through, what you've come through, that his grace cannot forgive, his mercy cannot be bestowed upon, that, that his, the Holy Spirit cannot take you, begin to turn your life around, build a testimony, and use you in such a way to bring healing and deliverance to other people. There's nothing that you've gone through. Can you say amen? But there's some things that I need to do, and it's the power of a renewed mind. Turn with me to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, notice what the Bible says. There's some things that we need to get into our thinking. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. i got to move because my time is gone. But listen, Romans chapter 12, verse 1, it says, I beseech you therefore by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God which is your reasonable service, and do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Now Paul is saying something here that there's, there's a mouthful, and there's several messages in these two verses, but for the sake of time, i got to move quick. But first of all, he's saying because of God's mercy, he said, we need to present our bodies. Why does God want this body? Why does He want this body? Because my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And see, let me tell you something. If you want all of God to flow through you, if you want His glory to rest in you, God needs a yielded body. See, God is not a God who is going to share His glory with anything. He needs yielded bodies. And so one of the things, this is what Paul says, he knows that people, when also they think about a sacrifice, they're going to kind of shrink back. But this is what Paul says. He says, I beseech you by the mercies. You need to understand that it's because of His mercy. When you begin to think of God's goodness and mercy, all of a sudden, you're able to freely yield your body. And here's the reason. We need renewed minds because we need to know how to discern and prove the will of God. Amen. How many of you know we need to know the will of God? Now what is the will of God? God's will is this. Here's God's will. Jesus gave us the prayer in the, in the pattern in Matthew chapter 6. 
Jesus said when he taught his disciples to pray, he says, when you pray, say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Amen. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So what's the will of God? God's will is that your body and your plans and your life be a conduit to usher the kingdom of heaven. God wants us to begin to be a vessel, a door. He wants your family, He wants your home to be an opportunity. He wants your life to represent heaven on earth. He wants people, when people see you, they see heaven. They see you're married. There's heaven there. Well, there's some heaven. There's some glory. There's, there's the kingdom of God there. There's a man and a woman who love each other. There's a man and a woman. They don't give up. There's a man and a woman. They've come through hell, but they're still giving praise to God. They may be poor. They may be rich. It doesn't matter. All of a sudden, they're giving glory to God. People are attracted to the goodness of God. Now, Paul says here that it is important for me to renew my mind so that I might know what the will of God is. Well, what's the will of God? Jump with me to 1 Corinthians 2. 1 Corinthians 2. What is the will of God? The Apostle Paul shares something so powerful right here. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. This is Paul's ministry to the church at Corinth. And he's bringing some powerful truths here. And this is what he says in chapter 2, verse 1. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 1. He says, I, brethren, when I came to you, I did not come to you with the excellency of speech, of the wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear. Wow, now that's a good leader. When a, weak, when, a, when a leader can begin to be transparent about their weaknesses. And I was with you in fear and in much trembling, and my speech and my preaching was not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power that your faith should not Stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Everyone say the power of God. Now, I so appreciate the preaching of the Word. I believe in preaching and teaching because people are established by teaching and preaching. I believe in it. But how many of you know we need the power of God in the church too? Paul said that your faith should not stand in the preaching of man's wisdom, but in the power of God. I heard a story one time of a... Of a, of, of a of a, of a guy who was selling vacuum sweepers. And he came to this house one day and he was selling vacuum sweepers and he brought his syllabus in. He opened his syllabus and he, he was telling this young couple about this awesome vacuum sweeper and this awesome model and this make that he had. And he was beginning to tell them that, man, this, this vacuum sweeper is one of the it's state-of-the-art, the latest and the greatest. And man, it's got some amazing sucking power. And there's so many diverse things you can do with this vacuum sweeper. And, and, and he's bringing all these pictures and brochures out. And when he was all done, he gave them a brochure and left. And the couple sitting there said, well, you know what? What, a, what an amazing presentation, but it would, should, would have, sure would have been nice to have a demonstration. He, and and well, the reason I'm bringing that out is a lot of Christians today know how to give, and they know how to preach. They, how, they know how to bring the message, but they don't know how to demonstrate the power. 
we, we know how to preach the message. We know how to sell the vacuum. We know how to talk how great the vacuum is. And boy, this vacuum can suck and it can really move and it can maneuver. And this thing has a lot of power. But when it comes to demonstrating the power, we just don't bring the vacuum. We don't actually show people what we have. You know, this week, this week, I, I'm doing, just to let you know, the Holy Spirit's been telling me to get out of my office and start going out, and so I'm doing a lot of treasure hunts on my own. I was over here in a store, and uh, the Lord gave me a word for a young man. He was there, and, and uh, he was uh, putting on some uh, uh, gym clothes and things like this, and uh, I said, I, I, I can tell you, probably working out at the club and all that. He says, yeah, I do quite a bit. And, and the Lord had put on my heart that God's hand was on this man. I never met him in my life. Never, never knew him at all. But, but I said, you know, I, I, I just, I want to just say something. I, I really, you, you really like kids a lot, do you? And I didn't know this, but he says, yeah, I love kids. In fact, I'm a teacher here at DISD. I teach Latin. I teach language arts. And I said, well, you, you have a real passion for young people, but not just a passion to teach you. You have an ability to empower young people because you know how, you know how to believe in them. And, and the guy, he stands there and he says, how do you know this? How, how, do, you, how do you know this? I said, well, I'm going to tell you, I, I'm a Christian. And the Holy Spirit just loaded, downloaded on me that you have a real special desire to reach this generation. And the guy's just standing there looking at me. He says, you know what, today, I've had one of my worst days. And for you to stand here, you don't even know me. You have just made my day. And I said, well, God's hand is on you because you have a love for this generation. And you're not, you're, you have such a, a, a greater desire than just to impart knowledge and just to get a paycheck. You really want to make a difference. And I see your wife is yoked up with you. He says, yeah, we both teach. We're both teachers. And here's my point. God wants to use us to bring words of life and empowerment to this generation. Now, I do want you to know there's been times where I've come up to people and I've given them words, and they, I, I, I remember one time I came up to this one guy, and I thought his name was Jeremy. He says, your name Jeremy? He says, no, it's not Jeremy. I said, are you in the construction business? No, I'm not in the construction. I'm a truck driver. So I, there's times where you move out in this, and you're missing it. But, but the one thing that comes back to them is this, why are you talking to me like this? And the reason I'm wanting to talk to you, and sometimes we don't always get it prophetically 100% right, but the one thing they, they leave with what has happened is in this encounter, God's saying to them, you're special to them. That, that, that God is picking them out and saying how special they are in God's sight and that God wants to bless them, God wants to show him his goodness, and God wants to bless and prosper and enlarge uh, their uh, uh, influence in the area that they're at. That's what I told this gentleman yesterday. I was able to just pray with him for about 30 seconds and we went our separate ways. Here's my point. The purpose of the renewed mind is so God can begin to use you to reach a generation. And do you know that you are special? And you are powerful? And you have a word that can literally change destiny in people's lives. It can change the... You know what he told me? This guy said this. He says, I will never forget this as long as I live. 
He says, I've never had anybody that I don't know come up to me and just start sharing things about me that, I, that you don't even know me. But see, that's, that's the essence of the gospel. That's the purpose of the gospel. Now, my point is to say to all of you this morning, God wants to use you like that. Well, pastor, I was, I was kind of always thinking that this, this, this was just for preachers. No, no, it's not for preachers. The Bible says that God gave apostles, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the work of the ministry, to teach you the work of the ministry. We're all called to the work of the ministry. All of you have significance. All of you have something to give. All of you have the Word of God. All of you have the Holy Spirit. Now, if you're not saved, not born again, pray. we'll pray for you right now. You can get it. You can receive the power. And God will release you. God will use you in powerful ways. Now, I want to just... And, and I, want, I want to take you... I want you to jump back with me into John 3. And with my last scripture, I'm closing right here. John chapter 3. I want you to see what Jesus said when it concerns this about the power of a renewed mind. John chapter 3, listen to what Jesus said, verse 3. Speak to Nicodemus. And Nicodemus was talking about, man, how can a man go back into his mother's womb? What what does it take for a man to be born again? And Jesus said, verse 3, chapter 3, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see. Everyone say see. see. You cannot see the kingdom. In other words, what he's talking about here is you're not going to see the demonstration. You're not going to see the demonstration of the kingdom of God unless you're born again. Now, being born again is more than just deciding to go to church. Being born again just does not mean you've you've turned over a new leaf and, well, made some New Year's resolution. Well, this year I've decided to get religion. Now I've decided to go to church and... uh, I've decided to stop those bad, bad, horrible habits, and I'm going to start some new habits. No, that's, not, that's, that's just a New Year's resolution. And by the way, just let me prophesy, those things are going to drop dead, and, and you're going to find yourself blowing it and going back to your old ways anyway. How many of you know those things just don't work? You need an encounter with the grace of God. You need, in order for your mind to be renewed, you need to encounter the goodness of God. Now, Jesus said no man can see the kingdom unless he repents. Let me give you the definition of repent. The word re is where we get the word, the root meaning for re is the word meaning to go back. Re, the short term, it's a compound word, but the word re means to go back. The word pent is where we get the word penthouse. And it literally means on the top floor. So when you put repent together, it means go back to the top. Go back to the top place. Go back to the original place of the reality that God intends you to live from. I don't want you to live from your natural earthly understanding I want you to go back to the place where I called Adam even before he fell where God told Adam he says I've created you in my image and I'm going to give you dominion and you will subdue all things and you will be over the fowls of the earth and the and the flesh and the and the sea and the earth and all these things God begin to speak to Adam 
What God is saying that repentance means is that we're to begin to take an about face and to start thinking from a place of victory, a place of authority, a place where what Jesus was raised up into. Where was He raised? He was raised and seated with our Heavenly Father. Do you know why Jesus is not only called the Son of God, but the Son of Man? Because Jesus is the first man who would represent the Father as the Son of God. He was the Son of Man, and as the Son of Man, He is what Romans refers to as the first fruits among many. In other words, Jesus is the first fruits among many other sons and daughters that were going to follow Him. And the Bible says in 1 John four nineteen, it says, For as He is, so are we in the earth. So here, let me give you four things on what the power of a renewed mind. The power of a renewed mind starts by my mind being renewed in the goodness of God. My mind's got to be exposed to God's goodness like the leper. The leper was so exposed to the good things, the good news, that the good news began to give him the strength and the ability to rebel. Everyone say rebel. There's some of us this morning, we need to rebel against poverty thinking. We've got to rebel against some thinking that's, well, nobody will listen to what I say. I'm going to rebel against that. God's given me a message. He's given me a word. I've got faith. I'm going to stop listening to the lies. God has given me. God is so good that He would never put me into a situation where He's going to leave me high and dry. That is not what God does. My Bible says He has made me more than a conqueror. And I can do all things. You need to be exposed to the goodness of God. And if you haven't been exposed to the goodness of God, get out of that church. Because let me tell you right now, God's goodness is so good that when you hang around it, it's so contagious that people are going to start looking at you and say, man, you know what? You just so so positive lately. Why are you so happy? How come you seem to just have a testimony? Even when things are going bad, you seem to always pull the best out of the worst. Why are you like that? And you can say, well, it just so happens that I've been looking and spending time in the presence of a good Father who is so good. He's renewed my mind. And you know what? I am not going to sit here and tolerate some negative, crappy thinking anymore. My mind is over the top. I've learned to repent I've gone back and I'm now living on the top. I'm living from a place where I'm viewing things from a whole different perspective. The second thing is we need to have a renewed understanding of our Heavenly Father. Because it's only as you come to know who your Heavenly Father is that you come to understand yourself as sons and daughters. The Bible says that a slave does not abide in the house, but a son abides forever. You see, one of the reasons why that you can renew your mind is when you start realizing who your father is, you start thinking just like your king. You start thinking like a king and a priest. Instead of being a slave, instead of being a victim, instead of, being, uh, and, instead of feeling like you're always behind, you start thinking like your father because you're living and dwelling in the presence of your father. The third thing that we need to do is we need to feed our faith. Renewing your mind means feeding. Everyone say feed. Let me tell you something. All of us are called consumers this morning. Guess what? You're consuming something. And what you eat, you become. If you're feeding on trash, guess what? You're going to produce trash. But if you're feeding your faith, what are you feeding on? 
Are you feeding on the Word of God? One day David went against Goliath and everybody was in the battle there in the valley and they stood, they were completely polarized and paralyzed because they saw the Philistines. David comes to the battle. And this is what David's testimony, when he stands in front of Goliath and Saul and all the armies, they were fearful and staying there. And, 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 and David comes to the battle. First thing out of his mouth, he says, who is this? uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God. You see, David had been spending time in the presence of the Lord and he was feeding upon the fact that he was in covenant with God. Israel had forget, forgotten their place of covenant position with God. They forgot that God said in Deuteronomy 28 that I'll make you the head and not the tail. I'll make you above and not beneath. And because of that, because Saul had directed them towards carnal thinking and because they forgot who they were. Listen to me. When you don't know who you are, you can't stand against anything. You'll be afraid. You'll start fighting battles in your own strength. You'll find yourself complaining and pulling back and saying, oh, I don't know. I, I don't think it's going to work. I'm going to die. See, a person who has that confession has not been feeding their faith. So I've got to be feeding my faith. And the last thing is this. You've got to run with winners. How many of you know that renewing my mind, I, I need to start running with people that are going to support what I know is the right thing. I'm going to say this. I understand we're in a world and there's a lot of broken people and hurting. I'm not saying that we're to cut ourselves up, but I, I want you to hear me, listen to me on that. I believe we're to help people. But there are people in my life, there, there are sinners. There, there are people that don't know the Lord. They don't want Jesus in their life. Listen to me. Now listen to me. I love them, and I'm always there for them to bring the good news and hope to them. Always. And I, I'm, I believe in being friends with them. But I will never open my heart and fellowship with them. I will not participate in the activities they do because their activities will jeopardize my faith and relationship. I will not go to a strip club because my friends go to strip clubs. I will not go to bars. I will not participate in their activities. It's not because I am more righteous than they are. It's because my body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, and I've got to guard my heart. I've got to guard my heart. Now, by the way, I believe I'll take that guy fishing. I'll take him out. I'll befriend him. I'll take him out to Starbucks and have a cup of coffee. And I'll reach out. I'll befriend them. I'll empower them with hope and life. But I will not open my heart to entertain and go into the activities. There are some Christians say, well, they, they all wanted to go out and go party and smoke some crack and all those kind of things. And I, you know, I, was, I was going to try to show them the love of God by, while, while I was smoking crack with them. Uh, a true story. I had a guy come down to our altar so, so, several years ago. True story. And he was ignorant. But he, he came down and he said, Pastor, I just, I just need God to help me. I, I'm just fighting lust. Oh, I'm just fighting lust all the time. I don't know what to do. And the Lord put this word of knowledge, gave me a word. He says, ask him where he works. So where do you work? Well, I work, I work with one of the cabaret strip clubs here in town as a dishwasher. And I said, you're fighting lust and you're a dishwasher in a strip club. Now, he really didn't see a problem. And I, 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 didn't, I wasn't there to uh, embarrass him. It, it was a very confidential conversation, which it should be. But I said, buddy, you need to get out of that place. 
It is God's will for you to stop working there. Yeah, but I need a job. Listen, you're fighting glass, but you're in a wrong place. I would flip burgers at McDonald's if I had to. You need to get it. Do you understand? I'm, I'm not kidding. I deal with people like that all the time. But I need a job. No, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, and you don't need to be around that place. Good preaching, Pastor Ray. I, I, and I, I'm, not, I'm not saying we're right. Hey, by the way, I want our church filled. By the way, we've had witches in our church. We've had lesbians in our church. We have people that are drunk, that have had issues with uh, problems. We welcome all of them, and we want them to be exposed to the love of God because it's His grace that changes them. But see, just like the leper in the Bible, he fed his faith. He was surrounding himself with the knowledge of who Jesus was that gave him the power to believe, I don't have to stay here. I don't have to be this way any longer. I can have a different future. My life can be new again. How many of you believe God wants to make all things new? Amen. Let's stand to our feet. Let's stand to our feet this morning. I believe, I really believe, that God wants to do new things in us. Amen? He wants to give you a word. He's got a future for you. And it's a good future with hope. It's a future where your life is going to have influence among people that don't know the Lord. You've got, you're, like I said, you're armed and dangerous. You've got something in you that's on you that's going to bring blessing. I want to just say this to many of you. Many of you don't even know this, but you're a watering people. You refresh people. You don't even know you do that. You bring refreshing. You bring life. You're an encourager. You bring hope to people. And some of you don't even know that the devil likes to remind you of how bad you are, what you've done. He loves to condemn you and hold you hostage in the past. But I'm here to let you know that those days are gone. This is the day the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in Him. Amen. He loves us. He loves us. I want you to take your neighbor by the hand. Take your neighbor by the hand. Father, we just thank You today. We thank You, Lord Jesus, that we can walk in the power of a renewed mind. Like that leper, Lord, who worshipped You. And Lord, he, He knew that Jesus was willing because Jesus is always willing. Because faith is what Jesus responds to. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. But he discovered that Jesus is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And Lord, he found found deliverance. He found healing. And Lord, today we thank you, Lord, that you come, Lord, to just impregnate all of us this morning with that incorruptible, indestructible promise. We're new creatures in Christ. You've given us the ministry of reconciliation. You've made us ambassadors of the hope of what we are called to. Lord, we're not going back. We're coming ahead. We're moving forward in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. If any of you would like prayer, we'd love to pray with you. God bless. Have an awesome day in the Lord. God bless you today in Jesus' name. Amen.